We are live finally on YouTube, Twitter, Rumble. We're going to be live on Rockfin here in a second. I was intending on doing this show a couple of hours ago, but the power went out, which I have to say, it feels like the power's going out more frequently. Maybe that's bias. Maybe I'm seeing what I want to see here, but it just feels that way. But Stella said, oh no, it was them, T-H-E-M in all caps in the chats on YouTube. And uh, she's right. It was them. It was the transgenders that cut the power and prevented the show from happening. We live in a reality now where they is the transgenders and they created this. We didn't, the cis didn't create this. The they's created this. The cis had nothing to do with this. They are they because of they. We're also now live on Rockfin. And the dogs are moving around now because I started moving around and you get up and move around and the dogs are like, oh, we're going to get up and do some shit. I'm like, no, we're not doing shit right now, dogs. Sit back down for about another hour and a half. I'm not going to go walk you in the cold in the middle of the night. I have a lot to talk about, which is why I want to do the show earlier. Let's, let's dive into this. Fannie Willis and the Black Freemasons and what everyone's getting wrong about Fannie Willis's hearing last week in Georgia. This is Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. I'm Brad Binkley, and I want to talk about this Fannie Willis case because there's, a, there's an opportunity that a lot of people are not seeing with this. There's an opportunity to wake people up with this case, to find common ground with those who, in almost every other circumstance, might be directly opposed to you in, in what they believe. And this opportunity exists because right now the level of corruption and uh, the abuse of power that's going on is just on display for everyone to see in ways that it never has been before. It's arrogant, it's, it's unashamed, and it's right in our face. And the person who best represents this brazen level of corruption in America right now anyway that we are experiencing is someone who has a history of not discriminating uh, uh, when it comes to who she is willing to abuse power or to subject to her abuses of power. I got a, I'm dog sitting my friend's dog with my dog and it's a 13 year old dog and she's rolling around on the ground. Like she's three years old right now. No bumble. Stop it. All right. Back to the show. I'm talking about Fannie Willis, obviously. And before Fannie Willis ever went after MAGA, she subjected black progressive women to abuses of power for the sake of her own career rise when she was the lead prosecutor in the Atlanta school cheating scandal, which was a major story. I remember hearing about that story. I remember listening to it on the radio, and I remember coming away thinking that they were all guilty, part of a grand conspiracy theory, a, a RICO charge, which is what Fannie Willis specializes in. The RICO charges were designed to go after mobsters, criminal organizations, but they have that, that RICO charge has been used by and many articles written about this by Fannie Willis. She's become a specialist in this and roping a bunch of people in who don't even know each other and tying them together through what's called overt acts, which could be a freaking tweet that is completely disconnected from everything else, but, but she basically fabricates a narrative around it and pr 
projects this group of people, most of whom don't even know each other, to the world as though they were these grand criminals conspiring together the whole time. And, and that's what I thought about the Atlanta school cheating scandal up until I started reading about it in more detail once I realized how corrupt the prosecutor on that case was, which was Fannie Willis. And I am of the opinion now that anybody who has ever been prosecuted by Fannie Willis and convicted should have their case re-examined because ethics is not something she traffics in. Corruption, abuse of power, Black Panther tactics that her father used, communist tactics is essentially what they are. That is what she traffics in. And she abused her power to ruin the lives of a number of African-American women who are progressives, who do not like Donald Trump. But she abused her power to ruin their lives in the same way she's doing it here to Trump and his co-defendants. And the same way she's done it probably to some of these gang members who she is prosecuting right now. And even some of these protesters who are protesting Cop City, all of them should have their cases re-examined. And it's interesting when you start reading about what she did in this Atlanta school cheating scandal, because it really is not what you think it was. Like she created the whole public narrative about it. It hurt. Like they, she is given credit for that public narrative and the other prosecutors who worked on the case with her. It happened in 2015, this prosecution. The Atlanta school cheating scandal, for those who aren't familiar with it, basically, I think it was 12 teachers who ultimately were put on trial. It was others that were involved, but only 12 were, in, were put on trial because it was a no child left behind initiative that rewarded incentivized states to cheat because they got federal money if they raised their test scores. And some of the teachers, not all of them, depends on what grade they were, would get financial incentives if they raised their students' test scores. This happened in 39 states. The, uh, the same thing happened because of the federal incentives. And the Georgia government actually got an award for like $40 million that they kept and nobody ever mentions because these teachers who were prosecuted, some of them anyway, cheated. So these teachers get in trouble, yet the, the state gets the reward for it and they just keep the money. It, it, it's, it's such a scam. But Fandy made it seem like all of these teachers were working together. But here's what she really did. And these were all black women, progressives in Fulton County. One of them was white. She went to the ones she knew that did it, because only a few of them did. And she said, you can walk free, never spend a day in prison, and you can just start your life over today if you admit you're guilty and you pick someone, anyone, who you point the finger at. Make someone up. Just pick them, point the finger at them, and you go free, you guilty person. And that's what happened. And the people who got the finger pointed at them by the guilty people who she rewarded maintain their innocence to this day. And, and they've written 
this, this one woman has written a book. She's done a number of podcasts. It's fascinating how she's been abused by, by Fannie Willis. But, but this woman who had the finger pointed at her by somebody who said that they did it, and there is evidence that this other woman did it, there's zero evidence that this woman did anything wrong. And there's no incentive for her to have done anything wrong because she was an elementary school teacher. And this program did not apply to elementary schools. So there would be no reason for her to raise her students' test scores uh, you know, wrongly to cheat because she, she gets no financial benefit for it at all. It'd be doing it for no reason. And yet she was accused and she's still being accused and Fannie Willis is still trying to put her in prison for it because this case, which was one of the first times they brought this RICO charge to use it in this unique way, same thing they're doing with Trump and all these co-defendants, is one of the longest cases in history now. And these women who have maintained their innocence and there's no evidence actually showing that they did anything wrong and they benefited in no way have been in and out of appeals for the past 10 years. They've lost their teaching license. They, they've been smeared. They haven't been able to work and their lives have been destroyed and, and they're broke because they've had to pay for their defense for all this time. And all of the other prosecutors say they were wrong for doing it, except Fannie Willis. And there's black progressives who think that she is evil. And I'm, I'm going to show you what they think about her. Let me find this quote here. Okay, so here, here's a quote. Like, we know probably what our perspective of Fannie Willis, not our, but like what every individual has their own perspective of maybe what Fannie Willis's corruption might be, those who see it. But you might not consider what someone who you, you might be surprised doesn't like her things. This is from a publication called Black Perspective. I don't know, it's called the Black Agenda Report. And it says this. There are no Trump fan here. It says, Atlanta is no Mecca for black people. It is a political plantation where the white overseers rule. Fannie Willis's prosecution of black teachers was an awful example of this power dynamic in the city. Now, anybody who's listened to this show has heard me talk about how Stacey Abrams is doing the bidding of elitist white men. That's basically what they're saying here. And then it goes on to say, this is in reference to Fannie indicting Trump. It says, now Fannie Willis has turned into a hero when she is the latest iteration of the traitorous blackface in a high place, doing the bidding of a powerful white people. Now, now mind you, Fannie Willis presents herself as a progressive LGBT, DE, like, like a, uh, you know, she's with the cause. But these are the progressives. This is what they really think about her. And then it goes on to say this, the so-called test, a cheating scandal, was actually a prosecutorial scandal. The Atlanta educators could have lost their jobs and licenses or been sentenced to community service, which is what happened in every other state. But they criminally charged them here for no reason, just to raise their own political power. They could have lost their licenses or been sentenced to community service or probation. But Fannie Willis and her boss insisted upon the most draconian charges and sentencing. The ongoing scandal is that prosecutors anywhere in this country can make names for themselves by treating anyone they want to prosecute as if they are an organized crime bosses, ruining the lives and putting them in jail. And that is exactly correct. And it's interesting because they infuse that racial element there, which I, I don't disagree with uh, uh, You know, all of it. Some of it I agree with. But then they come around because they acknowledge 
that she is now leading the prosecution against someone that they definitely do not like, Donald Trump. So what happens in this situation usually? Well, usually people split their brains. They have these logic-proof compartments and, and they hold contradictory opinions where it's like, it sucks that they did it here, but I'm glad she's doing it here. But not in this case. Here's what they say next. Willis is now in, is now in the news as the person who charged Donald Trump and 18 other people in a 41-count indictment charging them with a conspiracy meant to overturn the 2020 election. But she and others, she and other prosecutors must be scrutinized. One must always assume that defendants are being overcharged and that the RICO statute is being misused so that the state can act with nefarious intent. You see what, I mean, that to me is an extraordinary statement from a publication that completely opposes Trump and probably thinks he's racist. I mean, they are like, we know we don't like this guy at all. We want to see him in prison, probably. But we we see what is actually the worst thing going on here. We see what Fannie Willis has done to us personally. And so we're going to have to give this guy we don't even like the benefit of doubt. And this is the opportunity right here. This is the opportunity that this level of corruption being just put right in our face allows us. This common ground where nobody likes these people abusing power. When you recognize it happening to you, you can recognize it happening to somebody even who you don't like. And I think that that is, I think that's cool that they take an even keel position. Now, you don't see that on MSNBC or, or CNN because these people were personally affected. And let's find my spot here. Hold on a second. Bumble, we'll go out later. Chill out. So this is what I think could be taken advantage of when it comes to this Fannie Willis case with Trump. I'm, anybody who's watched this hearing and, and is familiar with what's going on, I've talked about it. Most people haven't. This is so uh, brazen. The abuse of they're just slapping us in the face with it. It's like a big government dick and they're just slapping us around in the face with it. And a lot of people are just taking it. But we're failing to take advantage of this opportunity that I just illustrated there. And an illustration of how we're failing is like instead of focusing on, on this obvious corruption and this common ground where we can point to it and highlight it because they want to normalize it. So we can just, we can't let them do that. We can take, we got to keep shining the light on it and wake more people up, but we're not doing that. Well, some of us are, but people with huge platforms aren't doing that. Like the judge, anybody who's talking about this case, who is not talking about the judge and how he's not going to disqualify her. I mean, it'd be highly unlikely for him to disqualify. He would have to knowingly sacrifice his position on the bench and go against two of his former bosses, both of whom hold enormous power, which could jeopardize his career and the rest of his life. He, that's, he would have to go against all of that in order to disqualify her. But, but nobody ever talks about that because they don't know it. They haven't looked into it. And I've talked about it a lot. And I'm going to again here in a moment in more detail. Uh, but what people are talking about Instead, 
instead of these most determinative, determinative facts for the outcome here, is they're talking about something that I saw this past week on X, which really pissed me off because it makes us all look stupid and it discredits us and it hurts our opportunity to be able to uh, inform more people and find that common ground. And it, it was a claim that's being spread on the largest alt media accounts on X by Tim Pool, by Mike Cernovich, by, well, Marjorie Taylor Greene is not alt, or not alt media, but it's the same thing. Like millions and millions of people were exposed to this claim that these, this group and more were propagating. And, and the claim was this. The claim was that during testimony last week, Fannie Willis, during the hearing to, about whether or not she's going to be disqualified from the case for hiring a dude she's banging and then benefiting financially from it, that she admitted to committing campaign finance fraud on video during this hearing. That's the claim. She admitted it. Here's the video clip. They share the video clip. Millions and millions of views. I, I can't open up my X feed without seeing somebody sharing that. What did she just admit to? Oh, my God. She just admitted to campaign finance fraud. Busted. And all of the clips are at the most two minutes long. There's some that are even 11 seconds long that they're sharing. This was a four-hour hearing. Okay? A four-hour hearing. And we have people sharing 11-second and two-minute clips as definitive evidence and proof that Fannie Willis admitted to a crime during this hearing. And just every single lawyer, like there was like nine lawyers questioning her for Trump's co-defendants. They all just happened to miss it. It took Mike Cernovich and Tim Poole to point it out for everybody. No, no they didn't point shit out. What they did was, is they focused a bunch of people's attention on something that satisfied their confirmation bias that they wanted to believe, and it caused them to all spread it around social media. But Mike Cernovich's post that had this video, and I'll show you the video in a second, that is the so-called evidence of her doing this, had 4.1 million views. I don't think the video itself, the post did, but the video still is going to have a, a lot of views, which that would be fantastic if this were actually evidence that Fannie Willis committed a, a, a crime on camera for everybody to see if it were true, but it's not true. Now, look, I'm no fan of Fannie Willis. I, she's, I call her the fat black Harvey Weinstein, female version, all right? But I, I, if we start claiming bullshit that's easy to disprove, it makes us all look stupid and nobody will believe anything else we say. And this is the problem here. Fannie Willis didn't commit campaign, didn't, did not admit to committing campaign finance fraud during her testimony. Now, did she commit campaign finance fraud at some point during her career? I mean, if I had to guess, I'd say probably. I can't prove that right here. But the point in question is, did she admit to it on camera? No, she did not. And anybody who says that she did and shares this video as evidence is someone who either didn't watch any more than that two-minute clip of the hearing or who did and is intentionally spreading an out-of-context clip to mislead people for the purpose of getting clicks and boosting your X revenue check that you're going to get in at the end of the month. This is not helpful at all 
because all of these people, like, like imagine to me, it's like this. Probably most people listening to this show are familiar with the Trump told them to inject bleach lie, which he did not do. All you have to do is watch the video. And all you have to do is know that he was actually just repeating an actual recently FDA approved treatment that was coming out soon after, which has actually become quite popular, right? But that didn't change people from, you know, saying, well, he, he said inject bleach. When I hear somebody say Trump said inject bleach, I, I immediately, in my mind, I'm like, well, I don't believe anything this person says, right? And I think most people are like that. Now, that is probably not the best way to think about it, but it's hard not to think about it that way. The same thing happens when someone goes around sharing all this shit about Fannie Willis admitted to committing campaign finance fraud on camera during her hearing. Anybody who watched more than two minutes of that fucking hearing and knows that's bullshit immediately discredits every fucking thing that person says and every fucking thing anybody they can associate with that person, conspiracy theorists, alt media, anything they say get categorized in the same way. So it damages the entire opportunity to wake people up by saying stupid bullshit that's easily disprovable. So I hope your fucking checks you get from X, from getting all the engagement from those who shared this originally, I, I hope it's worth it. Maybe they didn't know. You know, maybe their confirma confirmation bias played into it. But I, I, I have my doubts on that because Cernovich in particular, he shared the quote and he shared the video. And the quote that he shared was not what she actually said. So he changed a word. And I know you can accidentally do that. I understand. I'm sure, I'm sure I've done it before. But he's a smart guy. And the word he changed was the word that made it seem like it, it was something that it wasn't. Let me pull that up, or the clip anyway. Let me play this first clip. Here we go. All right. All right. So this is a clip. What's up, Gordon? This is the clip that they are sharing around as it just pisses me off, too because these big accounts get so much attention and they, they garnered so much energy that took all of the energy and attention away from what people should have been focusing on. So this is the clip right here. You see Fanny who dressed like Barbie and with a pink outfit and wore the pink uh, eyeshadow yeah, to soften her image, which I think is hilarious because she's going to have to work on the attitude a little bit, going to need a little bit more than the Barbie outfit Fanny, this is the like she's the worst. But this is what was shared around as the supposed evidence that Fanny Willis admitted to committing campaign finance fraud on camera. But I always have cash at the house. That has been, I don't know. Oh God. Hold on, it's freezing up. That gummit. It's it's gotta be they them again doing it. They, them, are messing with, all right, shrink my browsers, not my trousers, my browsers I'm going to shrink, and we're going to try this one more time. Fanny Willis coming up. Always have cash at the house. 
that has been, I don't know, all my life. If you're a woman and you go on a date with a man, you better have $200 in your pocket. So if that man acts up, you can go where you want to go. So I keep cash in my house and I don't keep cash as good in my purse like I used to. Um, I don't go on many dates, but when you go on a date, you should have cash in your pocket. So my question was, where did that cash originally come from? If it didn't come out of the bank. Cash is uh, fungible. We've had cash for years in my house. So for me to tell you the source of when it comes from, when you go to Publix and you buy something, you get $50, you throw it in there. When it's been my whole life. When I took out a large amount of money on my first campaign, I kept some of the cash of that. Like to tell you. I- okay. So that right there, I'll play that again. Cause that, that's the comment in question. That's the admission of guilt. Personally, I don't think anybody would actually see that as an admission, what she just said, uh, of committing campaign finance fraud, unless someone who you were influenced by on social media, who you believed was going to tell you the truth, framed the argument in that way and made you go, oh, I didn't see it, but now I see it. Because to me, it's it's an actual, it's really a stretch to, I, I don't even think you need the other clips I'm going to play you. Because she met, she talks about this, her self-funded campaign, which is what she's talking about here. Again, I'm not saying she doesn't do the things that they're suggesting she does. I'm saying that she didn't admit to them. And they're trying to make it seem like she did. It seems like a stretch to me. I'll let you guys hear that part again. This is the campaign finance fraud admission, according to a lot of people on social media. Uh, fungible? We've had cash for years in my house. So for me to tell you the source of when it comes from, when you go to Publix and you buy something, you get $50, you throw it in there. When It's been my whole life. When I took out a large amount of money on my first campaign, I kept some of the cash of that. Like Okay, so like, what bothers me is that by focusing on this wrong thing, they're missing the actual shit they should be focusing on here. But what, what so here's what Cernovich said in his tweet. He said, quote, and he clu- included this video. He said, she said, took out large amounts of money from her first campaign and kept that, which he put in all caps. Does she know what she admitted here? She didn't admit to anything here because that's not actually what she said. What she actually said was this. She said, when I took out a large amount of money on my first campaign, I kept some I kept some of the cash of that. Now, I don't think you need the other clips to know what she's talking about, but when you hear the other clips and I'll play those as well, she's talked multiple times like a dozen times in this hearing about how she took out some of her own money for her first campaign in 2018, $50,000, and that she lost a lot of that money and that she still is upset about it. And this is what she's referencing here. She's referencing a self-funded campaign. She's not, she's not talking about the way that Cernovich he changed he changed the word on to from. She said, "I took out some money on my first campaign." He changed it from my first campaign, which makes it seem like kind of it's being taken from donors who are giving her money. That that's not what she's saying. Now, is she lying? I don't know, but I'm saying what she's admitting to. Okay. And it makes people miss all of the actual corruption going on in this clip, which I'm going to talk about 
uh, here in a second. I'm assuming most people are familiar with what this lawsuit is. I, I shouldn't do that, probably. Uh, Fannie Willis is the prosecutor in, in the January 6th insurrection or uh, election interference case in Fulton County, Georgia. She's the one that indicted Trump, and she's a district attorney down there. And Trump's lawyers filed a motion to disqualify her because of a, a conflict uh, of interest because it, it turns out that she she hired a guy who wasn't qualified, had no experience in prosecuting trials like this to be her lead prosecutor on the case. Uh, turns out she was banging the guy. And then she paid him to do this job. And the accusation is an inappropriate relationship as well as enriching herself by paying the guy. And then he then funnels the money back to her through these vacations. And this is relevant to what she's talking about here. Hold on one second. Yeah, so this is actually why she's talking about this here. So, yeah, the accusation. She hires the guy she's banging, pays him $650,000 of taxpayer money for his services, his dick. He then funnels that money back to her in the form of gifts, vacations, and probably an ungodly amount of Wendy's Baconators. Say what you will about Fanny. Nobody's beating her in a Baconator eating contest. She is dipping that Baconator into a paper cup full of Grey Goose, which she made clear she likes to drink in this hearing, and she's swallowing it whole. And you can see how charming of a personality she has. I'm sure the guy who she gave the job to Really loved her for her personality because his ex-wife is smoking hot and she's a fucking potato. There's no way he goes to her unless she is paying him off or coercing him. So that's absolutely obvious. That that's like what should be people should be focusing on is that this would not even be in a hearing. She would have been disqualified immediately and already, and so would the entire district attorney's office if the judge was not in their pocket. And the fact that they're actually treating this seriously and normalizing it is what is really crazy. It shouldn't even get this far. It should be no question about it. Like they talk about Trump at his trials being indignant and rude and ugly to that guy in New York, the, the, the judge who's giggling and laughing with his court clerk, whispering to his court clerk and letting his court clerk interrupt Trump's lawyers at this bogus fraud trial. And they're saying he's just an awful person with no decency, and yet Fannie Willis literally treated the judge in this case like a bitch, and she threw papers on the ground. I mean, she, she didn't give a fuck because she thinks she's above power, and everybody defends her, and they say it's racist, the media. If you point out the fact that she's a raving fucking bitch who thinks she's untouchable, and the judge who people think are, are going to disqualify her, is terrified of her and is in her fucking pocket. He's got no way out, in my opinion. Here are the clips that disprove this claim. To tell you cash in my house, I don't have as much today as I would normally have, but I'm building back up now. You That's just not put the, money the rest of that very clip. good practice. I would... She's talking, I'll tell you, okay, so the reason she's talking about cash is because there are receipts to show that the guy that she hired 
and she paid taxpayer money to, then took that taxpayer money and took her on those vacations and bought her all those fucking Baconators, benefiting her off of the taxpayer dollar, which she actually ran. It's funny. She actually said during her campaign in 2020, Fulton County needs somebody who's not going to have sex with their employees and enrich themselves off the public dollar. Exactly what she's fucking doing now. But her defense against that claim, against the actual receipts that they have, was, no, no, he didn't pay for me. He didn't pay for, I paid him back for all those vacations and that great goose and then Baconators. I paid him back for them. And the, the lawyer's like, okay, can you show us that you paid him back? How did you write him a check? Did you, did you cash app him? Because she cash apped a lot of people. But apparently this guy who she was banging is the only person she didn't cash app or in any way document how she paid him back. Her reason was I paid him back from my stack of cash that I got from the $15,000 that I always keep in my house because my communist dad had taught me to. And, and that is her evidence. I mean, this is a corruption that people should be seeing and focusing on because this is so blatant. And the fact that the judge here doesn't kick her right out of the fucking courtroom and say, this is over, you're disqualified. The, the moment she starts making this argument is what is fucking crazy. It is what people need to be talking about. Here she is after this is done. She, here, she is in another part of the hearing explaining her 2018 self-funded. it to all women. So you can't identify when you came into this cash or where the cash came from. I didn't say I couldn't identify it. No, nobody gives me anything. I am sure that the source of the money is always the work, sweat, and tears of me. Yeah, she's such a bitch. I mean, she's entertaining to watch. I will give her that. Where's that? All right, here it is. This is earlier in the hearing. That money ended up being lost. And I know when you bet on yourself, you're going to have to bet money on yourself. And so what I was talking about was not wanting to go through the personal financial expense of running for office. By no means did I think that I was going to uh, be financially in a bad position once I won. Let's talk about what I was up against because it's important to understand that comment. I had a district attorney who had been here for 24 years. And Judge, People, no, 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 this is it's very relevant as to what my mindset was about this. So I'm trying to answer your question. So what I was saying is I... Taylor, solely to finance. Right, but it, it is about my finances. If I, I didn't, nobody put me in this seat. So I had already run for office once. I had spent $50,000 of my own money running and it was vamoose, nothing. And so when I'm talking to those offers, I'm talking about the... Con she had spent $50,000 of her own money running, and that's what she's talking about. There is no proof of what everybody on X is focusing on. And, and this is what bothers me, because it's taking all the energy away of the focus on the other shit, where the opportunity is. And it's making everybody look stupid. And the biggest accounts on X who claim to know what they're talking about, Cernovich is a lawyer, are, are saying with absolute certainty, wow, what did she admit to here? She said this and that. No, what, you, what you're doing is you're influencing people in the wrong direction. You're taking their energy away from, from where they could actually be productive. That's what they're doing. And she actually, she, she talks about this probably dozens of times in this hearing. I watched the whole thing. And I'm going to play you one more clip of her talking about it. But not even really for that reference. I want you to pay attention to the very end of this next clip. How she cucks out the judge. And this is what I'm talking about with this judge 
she owns this judge. You think about this when you're watching this next clip. This woman is at the mercy, supposedly, of this judge. It is his and his decision alone whether or not she gets disqualified from this case. And she is behaving in this way towards him. You saw a little bit of it there. <laughs> the end of this clip is somewhat hilarious. Here we go. Such a charming, charming woman. I bet she makes a fantastic sandwich. I mean, I bet she eats a fantastic sandwich for sure. That's the wrong one. Hold on. Sorry, my clips are all... We had two minutes with three. We'll talking to those offers, I'm talking about the contemplation of the sacrifice of the run, not the sacrifice of once you become DA. The odds were against me. They're going to lose uh, the election based on who I was running against. So that needs to be in the, the appropriate context. Isn't it true that the authors also wrote, and you can dispute this if, if you'd like, um, that you were broke after that race? The 2018 race. Yeah, that was that was a hard race. I wasn't broke like I didn't have any. So broke is relative to depending. I mean, they spent like 25 minutes talking about her self-funded campaign. And all these people are sharing an 11-second clip, a two-minute clip out of context and telling people that she admitted to something. And it's just so stupid. Well, you are, but that hurt to lose that $50,000. So I'm sure my mental mindset was like, I just gave 50,000 knuckles away. Right. So they characterized it from their conversations with you that you were broke. You had poured your own money into the campaign and you weren't able to pay your own bills because of your, I'm sorry, your clients couldn't pay their bills to you and you had a paltry array of family and asset forfeiture cases. It says you were trying to make it month to month. Um, is that an accurate depiction of your financial situation at that point? I would want to read that, but I, I don't... I don't remember clients not being able to pay their bills. You can't. You may. Did you notice that? Bumble, hold on, girl. I I'm going to play the end of that again. She said, can I approach judge? And Fannie Willis goes, you may. And then kind of looks over to the judge and he goes, you may. She's treating him like a bitch. Says you were trying to make it month to month. Um, is that an accurate depiction of your financial situation at that point? I would want to read that, but I, I don't... I don't remember clients not being able to pay their bills. Or you can't. You may. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go let the dog out because she's an old dog and she has to go to the bathroom. I'll be back in about 10 seconds. Come on, Bob. What do you guys do? The little girl running off anywhere. All right, I don't usually do dog breaks during the show, but I had to make a I'm dog sitting and she's an older dog and she she's very vocal when she wants something. So I needed to let her out. But Fanny treated that judge like her bitch the entire time. And let me get my notes here. Thanks for uh, sticking with me tonight, despite my technical difficulties that they the transgenders they or just the they i don't know if there's difference because they make it all confusing with the pronouns now took out the power and delayed the show for uh, a couple of hours and it's very clear that she didn't admit anything she was talking about that campaign 
And if anybody were to actually charge her, say, hey, you admitted this campaign finance fraud, then they would just say, look at all these clips. What's wrong with you? That's why none of her, none of the lawyers on the other side said anything about it. Yet that was the dominant narrative on X. It, it was, it, I mean, everywhere. People kept repeating it. I'm like, no, that's not where you should be thinking. Don't use your brain power for something that's going to make us all look dumb and discredit us all. Because that's what happens. We all get brain and conspiracy theorists and we miss opportunities. And the thing here that, and I'm going to say this again, I've mentioned it in this show and I've, I've mentioned it a number of times throughout the past week. And I actually pointed out the day this guy was put on this case because I, I knew his background and, and I knew that, that, that it was a, like a setup in the, in the very fucking beginning. And I'm going to make a separate YouTube video out of it. So I'm going to, kind of record it here a little bit clean from the other stuff get my spot here mcafee where's that all right so what come on in guys here is what the major thing that everybody is missing about this case is the judge, Judge McAfee, is not going to disqualify Fanny. And Fanny knows it. That's why she acts like that. That's why when someone says, Can I approach Judge? She says, Yes, you may, before he does. This behavior would not be allowed in really any other court in the country. But Fanny is in charge of this room, or at least she thinks she is. The only way that this judge is going to disqualify her is if he is willing to make some personal sacrifices that could not only ruin his career, but ruin his life. He gets to decide her fate. It's his decision and only his decision. He used to be her underling in the district attorney's office of Fulton County a few years before he became a judge. She was his boss. Very literally, he reported to her. And you heard that right. The judge overseeing Trump's Fulton County trial used to take orders from the prosecutor who indicted Trump. The conflict of interest has been there from day one, but the people who you would ask to remove someone because of the conflict of interest are involved in the conflict of interest. And that's not even the worst part about this. Judge McAfee did not win his seat to the bench. He was appointed to that seat in Fulton County in December of 2022 after this investigation was well underway. He was appointed there by Governor Brian Kemp, who, while he may be a Republican, is very much on the side of Fannie Willis in opposition to Trump in this situation. Brian Kemp kicked out people from voter GA because he doesn't want to hear anything about voter integrity stuff, about election stuff. He, he is very against Trump. And he appointed McAfee after another judge stepped down because the position opened up. But this is a seat that you typically have to win by an election. And it's up for election in May. So McAfee is currently in a, a campaign to keep his job. He's a 34-year-old judge, one of the youngest a position that he's been working towards by all accounts when you look at his background his whole life. 
like his dream job, it seems like. And he's got to win an election as a white male Republican in Fulton County, which is Stacey Abrams country. That's already hard enough as it is. Now imagine how hard it would be for him to win this election in May if he were to disqualify Fannie Willis, Fulton County's white knight against racist Trump, and remove her from the case. He would instantly be branded a racist who helped Donald Trump by removing Fannie Willis, and his chance of winning would be done. It'd be over. The only hope that he actually, well, I should say this, he only keeps his position, maybe, if he protects Fannie. That's the only shot he's got. He's got to protect that Fannie. The only hope that he might do the right thing here is if he has conceded that he has no chance of winning, regardless of what he does, even if he helps her, and he says, you know what, I am going to disqualify her because it's the right thing to do. But if he does that, he's not only driving the final nail in his opportunity to keep his job, he's also going against the will of two of his former bosses who both hold immense amounts of power, Fannie Willis and Brian Kemp, whom he also used to work for, and as I said, put him in that position. And I think he put him in that position to protect Fannie under the appearance of him being a Republican, so to make it look non-biased. He's got nowhere to go here. I mean, if he does this, these two people who have given him these positions of power, in th- like he's gotten to where he is in his career because of Fannie Willis in large part, and because of Brian Kemp. Yeah, he's done you know stuff on his own, I'm sure, but they have elevated him. And he would be screwing over the two people who have boosted his career the most. I mean, this is career suicide, if not life suicide. So this is why it is highly unlikely, no matter how corrupt Fannie Willis is, very obviously corrupt, that he, she is going to get disqualified. And anybody who doesn't mention the freaking judge and that background when talking about this doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. I'll be right back. I got to get these dogs back in. I'll be back in like 30 seconds. Guys, come on. Get inside. Get inside. Go go, go to bed. It's too late. You need to go to bed. All right. Dogs have peed, done whatever, and we're back. Look, I hope that she gets disqualified. She should. The entire office should. In in a a just justice system, that, that would have happened a long time ago. But we are operating in a system of injustice, which is why it's important that we don't share stupid, easily disprovable claims like Fannie Willis admitted to campaign finance fraud, which makes us all look like idiots that nobody wants to believe. When we could be focusing on this stuff and highlighting to everybody who even across ideological lines recognize as corruption, as I highlighted at the beginning of this show with those, the, the Black Atlanta magazine, you know, and that, that is, that's, that's a great thing, recognizing what the true evil is, not the other side, but the corrupt powers 
who, whose strings are being pulled to divide and conquer us and, and abuse the justice system and our system of laws against all of us. That, this is what we need. We need to make this stuff so obvious and unmistakable to anybody that anybody who claims that there's no corruption and no abuse of power here, it, it, it just feels like an idiot even doing it. Because they talk about this stuff on the news like it's normal on the mainstream media. They're normalizing this corruption. We, we can stop that. We just have to keep running our mouths and not about stupid shit. And we have to use evidence and facts and reason. And we can't avoid cognitive dissonance on which the other side of often is truth that we must embrace. And we have to go through that pain of discovering it. Sometimes our confirmation bias works out pretty well. But oftentimes it's used against us. I'm not even going to ramble about the psychological stuff. And that's too late for that shit right now. But what I will do is go into some of the other interesting stuff I want to talk about today. Which is, first, uh, Fannie Willis was supposed to testify yesterday. And she didn't. They had all these questions for her. And of course, she just somehow gets out of it. How does that even happen? Because she, she's above power, or she thinks she is, and people are afraid of her. And, and nobody asked her, and I guess they won't ask her, about a highly relevant question that I think should have been the first freaking question they asked. I would have, I would have asked in a second. And it would have been, everybody would have paid attention to it. And that question that needed to be asked of her is about her ex-husband, Fred Willis, not to be mistaken for Shaquille O'Neal, because all of the pictures of Fannie Willis and what is identified in the pictures of these who is Fred Willis sites, and it even says Fannie and her ex-husband, it's all Shaquille O'Neal at an event they were at together. You know, as though Shaquille O'Neal had stolen her ex-husband's identity and was parading around pretending to be her ex-husband and going to parties with her. That in and of itself is bizarre. I found six different websites that represented Fannie Willis and her ex-husband with a picture that was Fannie Willis and Shaquille O'Neal. Tell me that's not bizarre. Nobody's ever asked her about that. I'm sure this judge wouldn't have allowed that type of questioning in, but I actually could have gotten it in in a way that was very relevant. And here's, here's how. What you ask about is you ask Fannie Willis if her husband, her ex-husband, who is 13 years older than her and was almost 40 when they met, she was 25, if he was married when they met. And was there infidelity? Did she, did her ex-husband leave possibly a wife he had for her? I, I have no idea if he's married. I know he was married again after her, but the reason that I have no idea if he was married is because Fannie Willis has had all of the information about their relationship wiped from the internet. She has had it hidden from the public. And part of the question that the lawyers are trying to, to pr prove here is they're trying to show that she had an inappropriate relationship and that, she and that she financially benefited from it and that she was actively hiding it from people. So this is a potential parallel case She's obviously hiding her history with her ex-husband. So why is she hiding it? Was there infidelity there? Is there a pattern of infidelity? And is there a pattern of hiding infidelity for because of the benefits 
that are being traded because of it. Uh, then you also ask, why did you get divorced? Was there infidelity there? Now, maybe the answer is no. But there's a reason she's hiding everything about this relationship. I don't know what that reason is. But as Fanny has proven, infidelity and in an inappropriate relationship is one of those reasons to hide something. Because that's what she just did here. So that's the question I would have asked. It's definitely relevant. And she would have had a visceral, pissed-off reaction to it that even if the judge would not have let you continue your line of questioning, would have been caught on camera and would have sparked investigation into what happened in this relationship. What, I have been trying to find divorce records. I have been unable to yet. I have finally found some information about her ex-husband, which took me a while. But I did, and I'll tell you a little bit about what I learned from her ex-husband, because I would also be curious to know, talking about the parallels again. So Fannie Willis hires this guy, pays him a bunch of money who she's banging. He signs his divorce papers the day after she hires him, almost like it's a trade-off. I'll hire you, you sign the divorce papers, that way we're fucking, we're bumping clams together. And I'm paying you this money that you then buy me all the Baconators in the world I want with taxpayer money. Is the same thing going on because her ex-husband, I can't find any history of what, he was 38 when they met, of what he did before he met her. Yet, right after they got married, like two months after they got married, in 2007, her husband. Now, mind you, Fanny had a lot of power even back then because of her father and him, his leadership role with the Black Panthers. Her ex-husband was hired to be a, a video specialist, a conferencing specialist at the Center for Disease Control in January of 2007. Isn't that strange? I mean, maybe it's a coincidence. It's just weird. The guy has no history before that suddenly meets Fanny, the story goes, at the bar exam? He was wandering around the halls at the bar exam with a camera or something, which there are, that's a violation of. You're not supposed to let people in. There's very strict rules around that testing, which is why they're not specific about the story. That's another very weird thing. And then all of a sudden, he meets her. She likes his legs. They get married. Two months later, the guy's got a job at the CDC as a video conferencing specialist which he continued to work there until 2000. I don't know if she helped him out there. I also don't know if she helped him get the job that he got after that, which is a job at the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta as a media technology specialist. So the guy's got no history of work uh, that you can find online. I'm sure he worked somewhere, but you can't find anything online until he meets Fanny and then bam, bam, Bam Bam, Flintstones. His next two jobs over the next 10, 11 years are at the CDC and the Federal Reserve Bank. It just seems weird to me. And when there's no information to fill in the blanks because Fanny, well, nobody asked her the question, well, you start to speculate. The history of her ex-husband is absolutely relevant. Now, he worked at the Federal Reserve Bank until 2007, which was two years after they split. Then he kind of out of the picture. 
and he no he doesn't get another job. I, I know his whole history. I'm not gonna like dox him or something like that. It's like I know where he works now and stuff. None of his jobs after this are related to government at all. No CDC or Federal Reserve Bank or anything like that. They're all private companies. It's just a little weird, is all. It's just a little bit strange. Hmm. Another thing that was interesting that I, I scratched the surface on with her husband was this. As far as I can tell, every single man and most women who Fannie Willis has known and interacted with in her life. I mean, I'm being serious. I'm not even exaggerating. Almost all of them are members of what is known as the divine nine fraternities and sororities, which the divine nine fraternities and sororities are these, obviously nine of them. They're like a hundred years old, most of them. And they're these black fraternities that originated at these historically black uh, colleges and universities. The one that her husband was in, Omega Sci-Fi, I think, Sci-Fi, P-S-I, P-H-I, was founded originally at Howard University. He went to Nebraska, but it was founded at her college where she went, Howard University in Washington, D.C. And they've just, that fraternity has basically sponsored her her entire life, it seems like. Like, I did a search of of her and that fraternity together, and they are constantly doing get-out-the-vote things. They're constantly campaigning for her. They're all, the reason Shaquille O'Neal is photoed with Fannie Willis is because that was an event put on by these fraternities, and Shaquille O'Neal was also a member of that fraternity. It's like the oldest black fraternity. They even named her Citizen of the Year in 2023. And not only is her ex-husband, Shaquille O'Neal, a member of one of the Divine Nine fraternities. So is her father. So is Nathan Wade, the guy she's banging now or was banging. They're all members of one of these Divine Nine fraternities, which I'll give you a little foreshadowing, are known as the, the Black Freemasons, the Black Illuminati is what they're called by some people. And... I don't know a lot about that yet. I'll tell you what I do know in a moment, but who else are in those? This is when I, I, I started looking into the people who she's hired in the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. Because if everybody she's ever had a romantic relationship with, and if her father also, or all members of one of these divine nine black Illuminati Freemasonry fraternities, I'm wondering if the people she hired are as well. Over 25 people that I have found thus far, and there's a lot of people who work there, but I've been going through them meticulously. Over 25 of them, mostly hired by her, were all members of one of the Divine Nine Black Illuminati fraternities. They have taken over the Fulton County District Attorney's Office effectively. So, I mean, you, you, you remove Fanny from the case. Go ahead. But that entire organization is exerting its influence over the justice system of Fulton County. I know that fraternities and sororities, regardless of uh, whether black or white, they help people who are their members after they get out of college. I know that they do that. It's not a a strange thing. I know that they all have weird like Freemason backgrounds. So uh, there's probably a lot of people that don't even know the background 
uh, of some of these fraternities or sororities that they're in. Uh, but I, the reason that I was tipped off to this is because I stumbled upon this YouTube video of this black girl who only had a couple hundred views who was talking about her brother who was in one of these things who they just, uh, she didn't go into the details of what they did to him. I think she did that in another video. She references how, how awful they treated him and, and how they destroyed his life. And then she's talking about Fannie Willis and she says, Atlanta has been taken over by these divine nine fraternities and sororities and, and Fannie Willis. She said, I don't even have to look her up to know that she's in one of them. And, and so first I started looking up Atlanta and, and that's why I started looking up the Fulton County office. And this, this girl was 100% correct. And, and then I, you know, tried to figure out if Fannie was in one of them, which Fannie wipes her whole history. But I found a couple of websites that said she was the website's, I don't know if I would call them the most credible, so I wouldn't cite them as evidence. But what I would cite as evidence is the fact that her father, her, her, every single one of her ever mentioned boyfriends have been members of these, that all these organizations have funded her, have called her citizen of the year, have rallied for her her entire life. It is evidence that she is a member uh, of this sorority and the sorority she's believed to be a member of is the same one Stacey Abrams is a member of and that Kamala Harris is a member of. And Kamala Harris and Fannie Willis both went to Howard University. Kamala's a little bit older than her. Stay out of Fulton County is all I have to say. Some people might call it a DEI hires that she was doing when she got in. I think it goes beyond that. She's hiring people who are exclusively from these divine nine fraternities and sororities. You know, make what you will of that. Maybe that happens in other contexts and I just don't realize it. Maybe if I checked all of the district attorney's offices, maybe it'd be a bunch of, uh, you know, Pi Kappa Phi or what, Pikes, a bunch of the white fraternities and sororities would be filled in all of those. I, I don't know. So if you know more about this, I, I would love to know more. I'm continuing to research it. I'm new to the subject, but I find it fascinating especially because that girl whose video I was watching, she was so correct on what she said. And she had personal information because her brother, she said, had been screwed over by these fraternities. They were apparently created by Freemasons who wanted to control the culture, like we always talk about, and shape it. But they also wanted to do it by taking control of African-Americans. And so they chose a few African-American dudes to set up these fraternities at black colleges and make it be a recruitment tool. And then they modeled it. And this is in their literature. They did model these organizations um, after the Skull and Bones and to have the same uh, purposes and missions of the Skull and Bones. I mean, these are the elitists is what they are. These are the people who are trying to convince people that they are choosing making decisions themselves that they are actually trying to decide for them and yet manipulate them into. Fuck them. We, we just point, we shine the light on it. We ask questions. We don't let them be above reproach like Fannie Willis tries to be, and they can't defeat us. Shining light on it and never shutting up is the way that we defeat this and not spreading stupid bullshit that's so easily disprovable. And again, if I said anything about the black and fraternities that are disprovable, I will admit that. I'm telling you, I don't know about that. What I'm saying is the disprovable thing 
I'm sticking my foot in my mouth now, but you get what I mean. We don't need to, to claim Fannie Willis did something that she didn't do when she has so much other bad shit. She obviously does. Anyway, oh, I'm not, so this is really cool too. I just found so much cool shit. I should do like a whole, I should have like recorded myself researching this shit because I kept finding this shit and I was like, whoa. Let's look at the newspaper archives and stuff. It was like researching was fun again for a little while. So Fanny's dad, you guys probably know that she, or he was one of the, I think I said earlier, one of the uh, founders of the Black Panthers and also of the, what's called the Students for Nonviolent Coordinating Committee which is an offshoot of the Black Panthers. It's just an Orwellian name. They absolutely <laughs> engaged in violence when you look at their history. And Stacey Abrams' parents were part of both of these groups. Jesse Smollett's parents were part of both of these groups. All of these freaking activists and their parents were part of these groups who's, they're public figures now. Stacey, Fanny, Jesse Smollett. Of course, he's not really doing as well as the others. But isn't it kind of wild how they're able to, and this is what they talk about when they're talking about the, the black Freemasonry and how they, they put these people in positions of power to exert this influence because it gives them power to influence black culture, yet they are actually having their strings pulled by these white elitist and globalists who just need a black face for their communist front. Just like that black Atlanta newspaper said about Fannie Willis. I mean, they were they were dead on with that shit. I've been saying that shit a long time about Stacey Abrams. So her dad, he did testify yesterday. And it's really interesting because like father, like daughter, they are so, so similar. They both were able to display a like a, almost a photographic like memory of all of the details and, and words spoken and events that happened uh, years back, especially when doing so supported Fanny's narrative that she didn't do anything wrong. And they also were very similar in that they couldn't remember what happened 15 minutes ago if the question about what happened undermined Fanny's story because they asked her dad, they said, did you, did Fanny, did you talk to her before your testimony about your testimony, which he flew in that day. So it would have been just a few hours earlier. And he said, well, well first he paused for like five seconds and then he goes, well, she may have been in the room when I was briefed, but I don't recall. Oh, you don't, you just told us this, what, like, what was on the carpet, on the walls, and what you drank and ate for dinner in 2019. Very specifically, but you can't remember if your daughter, who you also said you were sad that you didn't get to see enough of, if she was in a meeting. Of course. Of course she can. She told him what to say because he's a con artist, and she taught him these tactics. And this is another thing that nobody asked about is – Fannie Willis says that her dad has a major influence over her still. He raised her himself, she said. He used to go on these activist trips and he used to go to work with her. And he instilled these principles and he was committed to black nationalism. He says so. 
I don't know if he's changed his position on that, but that question needs to be asked. And he used to use radical tactics and get arrested all the time. And the question, is Fanny using the same type of subversion and co-option tactics that her father established with the Black Panthers, communist tactics in the 60s, except they were outside of power trying to obtain power. Is she using those same tactics in a position of power? Which is what communist subversion is. I'm not saying she's a communist. I'm saying that this is how they work. And probably other groups as well. Is they shed their colors of what they're trying to recruit people into. It's a book called The Bolshevik a Weapon, an organizational weapon about the Bolsheviks. They do their outward appeals, but then once they're too radical, they pretend not to be what they are, and they go try and co-opt organizations using the same tactics in a more conspiratorial way. It's not a weird question to ask that, especially when you find some of these things that I found about her father. So, I found a document Which, by the way, I'm going to go back to what Fanny was talking about earlier before I go into that document. The thing about the cash, which was the whole subject of campaign finance fraud, when what people should have been focusing on was she was actually describing what her father used to do in order to avoid having the feds trace his money and trace his activities. That's that's what she was describing. She was describing communist activity and tactics that, that not just communists, but criminals use to avoid being captured and avoid being pinned down and arrested. She knows this because she's a lawyer. She's very smart. People call her dumb and ghetto. She knew exactly what she was doing. She was filibustering. She was very strategic and all of that. Like we can not like people, but I think it's not, it's unwise to call them dumb and underestimate them. And also I have like, I, I advocate for carrying cash. My dad used to say carry cash. But he didn't say, make sure you always have $15,000 in your pocket or next to your bed. That's not a normal recommendation. It's a recommendation by a father, Fanny's father, who was arrested all of the time, frequently, was constantly on the run, and didn't want to be tracked. And his daughter learned well. But nobody pointed that out. Why was that question not asked? Because they're all pussies. So... Here is Fanny's, his name is John Clifford, or John Clifford Floyd, yeah. In this report, which it was a congressional investigation report from the late 60s, and a lot of the information came from the Justice Department that documented an arrest of Fanny's dad, John Clifford Floyd. In 1967, he was arrested in New Orleans at a hotel after, according to the report, him and some of the other Black Panthers including one that you're going to be familiar with when you hear the name. They skipped, they tried to leave without paying and they stole a bunch of property and they damaged a bunch of property at a black hotel they were staying at. That is what the claim is. Now I know the justice department's full of shit. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to assume that's true. My first instinct was to say, why wouldn't they do that? They should go to a white hotel and do that. Why would they go do that to a black owned hotel? But then I was like, maybe the feds are making that up. So I I don't know the truth about that. But the investigation, they documented everything that they had, that her dad had on his person when they arrested him. And 
I'll read you what they say they, they had on him. Just some of it. It's a really, really long list. Of the people who are mentioned in this congressional investigation from the Justice Department in 1967 or 68, nobody's mentioned more than him. He's all over it. Like We'd be here for hours, days, if we covered all of his mentions. But I'll go through a few that I uh, put together here. The investigation... Hold on, lost my place there. Okay, so here it is. It says that a number of things were found on John Clifford Floyd when he was arrested, including a nine millimeter automatic, a 27 page book titled High Tide of Black Resistance, which according to the report, the opening paragraph of that book says this. It says, the year 1967 marked a historic milestone in the struggle and the year that revolutionaries throughout the world began to understand more fully the impact of the black movement. Our liberation will only come when there is final destruction of this mad octopus, of this mad octopus, the capitalist system of the United States, with all of its life-sucking tentacles of exploitation and racism that choke the people of Africa, Asia, and Latin America. Just some nice reading. That's all that was. Some nice pamphlet reading. They also found on him two Department of State passports, passport applications with his name on it. One metal automatic cartridge clip containing eight rounds of nine millimeter ammunition. One metal automatic cartridge clip containing seven rounds of eight thirty-eight caliber automatic ammunition. A 25-page pamphlet entitled Black Power Manifesto. A book titled Guerrilla Warfare. Another book titled Guerrilla and Counter-Guerrilla Warfare a two-page listing of U.S. firms that had sub subsidiaries in South America that were believed to be priority targets of his group, the Black Panthers. They found a pamphlet titled Black Liberation Now, a booklet printed in the People's Republic of China that was titled Whence the Difference, and a single sheet of paper with a formula for making explosives on it. That was just some of what he found. And, and I don't blame the guy for arming himself. I don't blame the guy for distrusting the government. I know they're full of shit. But that's just information that when you understand the influence she has over Fannie and the tactics that he used, and that Fannie now is a position of power where she can deploy those tactics along on top of the power she already has, these are questions that should be asked and information that should be known. And the most interesting part of the report, here, let me show, share this on screen. I meant to show you this anyway, is this. Hey, every man. Fannie Willis is a Howard, yeah, Howard Produce, yeah. Sorry, I missed the comments. I had this stuff up, stuff up on screen. Penny Fun, what did Binkley say about reading the Atlanta Black newspaper? Oh, were you, did you miss that part? So yeah, the the I read some quotes earlier. Sorry to bring it back up for those who already heard, but the point that I was making was Fannie Willis is not liked among black progressives because of what she did to innocent black women during the Atlanta school cheating scandal. She overprosecuted them. She used the RICO charges. She did the exact same thing that she's doing to Trump now, and that she's also that she also did and is doing to the. Cop City protesters and to the gang members. And what these writers said who don't like Trump at all 
they recognized how corrupt Fannie is. And they said that even though it's Trump and they don't like him, basically, that they must assume that Fannie Willis is over prosecuting and wrongly charging for nefarious purposes. And my point was that paying attention to what counts on this case, the corruption and continuing to highlight it is an opportunity for common ground for those who disagree because the, because everybody can recognize when somebody is treating everyone badly and abusing their power towards everyone, which is what is going on right now. And I think is what is going on with many politicians, but it's just, it couldn't be more obvious with anyone other than like with Fanny it's the most obvious that I've ever seen it anyway. Showing her Fanny. So this is my favorite part of this document, this congressional document I found. Bank account. Hold on, let me find it. All right, there it is. You blow it up there. And you guys might have heard some of this already, but this is actually proof of what some people have been suggesting, at least the relationship anyway. So this document says, talking about Fannie Willis's father, it says a bank account for the SNCC, the Students for Nonviolent Coordinating uh, Committee, which again is an Orwellian term for a group that was very violent. The bank account was opened February 26, 1968, with a deposit of $430.20, and the account was at the Bank of Finance on Southwestern Avenue in Los Angeles. It gives the account number, and the account was opened by two people. It was opened by John Floyd, Fanny's father, and Angela Davis. You guys know who Angela Davis is? Sure. She was the first black woman to ever be on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. What was that story? She was like the getaway driver for a murder or something. Don't quote me on that, but it was something like that. I don't know. It was something related to that, but she didn't spend time. I don't, I don't think she spent time in jail, but she is a famous communist who she's mentioned all throughout this thing with Fanny's dad. Every time they mention Angela Davis, they mention Floyd because they're always, they're always together in cahoots. And he brags about living with her in an interview that he did earlier this year. Some people were like, maybe she is Fanny's mother. She's not Fanny's mom. I found out who Fanny's mom was. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but I have not been able to find much information about her mother yet. I've only found her name. But Angela Davis, I think, ran for office as a commun communist. She, she was like a member of the Communist Party. It's relevant to ask Fanny about her father's influence on her. It's relevant to ask Fanny about her husband and all that shit. Everything is relevant. She's obviously corrupt. And the fact that they are trying to make us think it's racist to challenge her is what people need to be calling out. And I'm going to point back to that black newspaper who called it like it is and, and said how corrupt Fannie is and said, we're going to give Trump the benefit of the doubt, basically, because we've seen how evil she is. Stop focusing on shit that's not real. And let's fucking call this bitch out. She's fucking Harvey Weinstein of fat black women. And that's where I'm going to end the show. Thanks for putting up with me. Sorry about the delay with the power outage. 
did get a bit loopy towards the end, but it's fun anyway. I, I make sure I didn't miss anything here. I have more information too. It's just, it's hard to get it. I, I want to like get it all out at once. Like here's all of it right here, but it, you got to kind of process it first and try and make it. Like, I got to understand it before I can talk about it. Her mom's name, I believe is Cheryl Dotson. D-O-T-S-O-N, I think. It's like a scavenger hunt on the internet trying to find out information about Fannie Wells, trying to put the pieces together that make this puzzle, which that in and of itself is suspicious. There's somebody making, there's a lot of people, companies making millions upon millions of dollars wiping the internet clean of these new figures that become the star of our news media. Because you know that's what they do. Before they put the spotlight on them, they have one of these firms come in and clean up their online footprint, taking away all of the things that might undermine their image and maybe even adding some things that might make them seem to be something they're not. We used to see that pretty easily with ASC and Stacey Abrams and stuff because you could actually contrast it. Like you could find stuff about Stacey Abrams in the archives and AOC. Like you could still find stuff on the internet back then. But with Fannie Willis, even though I have been able to locate some things, I've used some different techniques. It, it was so hard to find anything, like anything about her outside of the very controlled narrative story that she and every article ever written about her told verbatim. It all said the same thing. It's like they copied and pasted her Wikipedia page and Time Magazine, the New York Times, Wall Street Journal. They just said the same shit about her. I mean, I mean, isn't that weird? Like, am I crazy for thinking that's weird? Like, I see something like that where it's like, oh, tell me about Fannie Willis. And everybody goes, oh, blah, 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 blah. And tell me about Fannie Willis, blah, 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 blah. And 15 people say the same thing. I look around and I'm like, am I in a weird movie right now? Why is everybody just vomiting verbatim the same thing every time I ask it? This is like a weird sci-fi thing. Somebody wake me up. And that's what it feels like. And the people, you know, spitting this shit out, surely they know. Surely they know they're doing that. How does somebody not ask a question? The story about how she met her husband is, uh, she happened on the day she took the bar exam, she happened upon a strange man who was roaming around with a, a camera as a side job. And that's why they put it as a videographer. And then they got married and she liked his legs and said those legs gave her two kids. And then nine years later, they got divorced. Never speak a word of this man again. That is the story, almost verbatim, that 30 publications who are known to be established, authoritative publications, Time, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, all say the same shit. You're telling me somebody didn't go, hey, wait a minute. He was walking around the building where she took the test with, with a camera. Wait, what? Is he allowed to do that? Are there regulations for the bar? There are regulations, so that's not allowed. So where did they bump into each other? What was he filming? What, you, nobody asked that question. Nobody, nobody said, where is he now? Why did you get divorced? Nobody said, what was a 38-year-old, 39-year-old guy doing roaming around the law school bar exam? Was he in the bathroom filming people? Most students who are, go to law school, 
come out of a, an exam and they see some strange guy with a camera from the 90s roaming around filming them. He's like 15 years older. They, they, they say that's a creepy guy. Fanny Willis says, give me two children with them legs and then get the hell out. I mean, come on. I know I'm not the only one that thinks that's weird. Yet everyone who reports on this shit would like have people like me and probably some of you believe that asking those questions are weird or racist. How dare you ask for details, you fucking racist? I got to get out of here and go to bed. Happy Saturday, guys. Hey, Georgia Tech won tonight, and it's almost depressing to me because now I have to watch the next game. We'll talk to you guys next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.